Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to Rugby Stories, the podcast of the Rugby Journal, bringing you the tales of the people and places that make the sport what it is today. I'm Alex Mead and I'm in Rotherham to meet Verity Smith, a rugby player who's played at the highest club level of women's rugby in both league and union. But when he decided to transition to become a man 18 months ago, his rugby world was turned upside down. Joining Verity on Rugby Stories is club captain and close friend, Joe Clark. Let's go back to sort of the beginning of the rugby for you. And when, when did you, tell me, give me your, your rugby career. When did you first start playing rugby? Um, my grandparents took me down to play for Hull Vixens back in 1992. Um, I'd been a bit naughty and got into trouble at football, so they still wanted me to do something, but um, give me something that I could run around a little bit more at. Um, and somebody at school had mentioned that their mum had coached a, a girls' team, so my grandparents, in their wisdom, took me down to have a go at rugby. What sort of player were you at 11? At 11, I was straight into the forwards. I was a prop straight at 11. Um, I just wanted to play all over, just wanted to take the ball. I, all I've ever wanted to do is just run that ball and, and hit people, tackle. It's always you come to play rugby because it's with your friends and stuff and then it's the physical side of it as well. How did rugby progress for you? For me, um, I say I started playing for the under-16s at 11. I think I got about maybe two, three games. Other teams didn't want to play me, um, so somebody rang my dad to see if they'd give permission for me to go have a go at the seniors team. Um, there wasn't as much health and safety back then, um, so I think I got put under somebody else's name and left to it really, so I was playing women's rugby in what was the old women's premiership um, from 11 till I was about 16, 17, and then I looked at, I had to go at Union, and then there was no looking back. Tell me what's happening in your life at that time off the field. Um, I lost my dad when I was 17, he died um, quite suddenly, so I had all that to deal with. And Everyone always says that rugby's a family. It was. They sort of all they all rallied around me. Um, my mum was ill pretty much most of my life um, due that? to what other things. She had um, diabetes and lupus, so she would lost her, her legs, her arm, and was blind. So I never really had a, a parent figure. As such, my grand my two grandmas brought me up, um, and then the rugby club. That's where I was day, night, noon. If I could train for one team, if I could train for another, if I could play. Mm. myself out to other teams. I just, I didn't want to be at home because there was just nothing left really. So, yeah. just threw myself into that. And at the same time, coming out as well as gay, and trying to fit in, it's it's a hard time for a teenager. So my one stability has always been rugby. Your parents did have an influence sort of early on as well, though, didn't they? Yeah, um, my mum and dad. Um, when I first came out, um, I, they weren't even shocked. I was petrified at telling them. 
they went and researched looking for um, where they could take me, where I could be safe and where I could meet other children the same age as me. Um, and they found a, a gay youth club in Hull um, back in 1994, which was not very heard of. They used to take me there once a week to go play pool or chat to other people or just to be a normal kid, but in a safe environment. Mm. So it was just a little bit different. Um, so they've always been my biggest adversaries. Um, my dad was a paramedic as well, and uh, he's been to watch my games, and unfortunately he's been and um, had to pick up players that I've tackled and had to be taken <laughs> to hospital as well. Um, he, he once came in his dinner hour to watch one of my games, and we took a girl out and she'd injured her leg and her shoulder in a two-man tackle. And they said, oh, that was a fast response. Uh, he says, no, it was my daughter that did it. He said, I was here watching. So my dad and ended up having to help out and um, put the girl in the ambulance and go back with them. So, yeah, it's um, it's mm. been good. How old were you when they uh, took you to the sort of gay youth club? Um, I was 13 um, okay. w when that came about. Um, so f for me, it was quite good because not many people my age was that. A lot of people weren't telling the parents. A lot of people were having stigma at home. A lot of people weren't coming out. I had a friend who couldn't tell his parents and he used to come and stay at my house just so he could ha just chat and chill and be normal. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was quite hard back then. Did you have any experiences in everyday life? Um, not so much. I mean, I came out of school as well, so my teachers were really good for me. Um, it was the usual. Rumour started in the morning, another rumour by the afternoon, and by tea time I'd been in with the teachers asking if, if it was true, was I gay? And was there anything that they could do for me? Okay. Um, so they fully supported me as well. So mm. I've, I've been quite lucky. And say so grandparents, brilliant. Um, taught at my sister's school for a little while. Um, thought that was not going to end well. But uh, turned up on the first day to teach in her school. Told her, don't worry about it. I said, I've not said anything to anyone. She went, don't worry. She said, I've told them all you're a lesbian anyway. She said, it's fine. It's like, thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So it was quite, you know, being gay was comparatively straightforward for you then, really. For me, it has been, but for a lot of people, it hasn't. Um, but then in the back of my mind, it was always, I never was girly. I, I never did fit in. So for me, in playing rugby, it was always try and fit in with the butch lesbian, try and be what was classed as the norm back then but there was just always something in the back of my head that there was just something different but I couldn't put couldn't put my finger on it mm. and I couldn't tell anybody because I was so scared of losing the one thing that I'd always done which was rugby growing up as a teenager with like no parents and an ill parent was it, it's scary because you've got nowhere to turn to you've got no one to talk to and as I say it was a lady uh, I'll say her name it was Jackie Edhouse who supported me and took me to my games. She took me to Yorkshire and helped me and coached me. And if it hadn't been for her back then, then I wouldn't be here where I am now. And a few times, it's awful to say, but I've thought about not being here because it was easier not to be here than to try and fight. Mm. But yeah, I'm what, still here and still fighting. What, what, were those, what were those moments when you, when did you realise that acting like a lesbian would be this wasn't going to be the solution. When 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 did that start to? It was always there. I mean, I got married quite young. I married a lady um, when I was 25, 26, um, and I'd already I'd never liked having my chest. I'd never liked being me. I'd never liked being put in the female kit. And I used to struggle all the time. We'd have arguments over. I wouldn't have my photograph taken in my kit. I didn't want to wear the women's kit, and I just I'd never wanted to wear dresses at presentations. And as I got older, I sort of started dropping the hints that maybe I didn't want to have my chest anymore, or maybe 
how would it be if I, I looked into some different way of how I dressed or how I acted in my name? And, and then when I was about, when I was 19, I did actually ask and we did go down the route of maybe could I look at having some sort of chest surgery? I went down, um, I'd had hormone problems all my life, so I sort of said, look, what if we said one size is bigger than the other? What, what can we do? Is there anything that we can do to do this? And the, they did look at it for me, but I was too scared to then do that and then for someone to then bring that situation up later down the line and say, what's going on here? And then get looked at and investigated. Mm. So I've just sort of kept quiet my whole life, really. And then the laws started, started changing everybody. Nobody was bothered. I stopped shaving because I had a hormone condition anyway. And nobody really bothered about me, how I was and how I was shaving. So, And then I, I met someone that was also transgender and we started dating. And I just found it so much easier. And everybody started opening up. And then started talking about the new transgender laws and how rugby was going to be changed to be the same as the IOC. And as soon as that came out, I thought it was like a light bulb in my head. It's like, I need to do this, otherwise I'm just not going to carry on. And then um, one of my friends took me to the doctors and sort of refused to let me out of the room until I told them everything. And uh, yeah. Just give me an outline of what those, those laws difference how are those two different back then if you were transgender you wouldn't be allowed to play for a ladies team or you wouldn't be allowed to play for a men's team there was nothing there was no safeguarding in place there was no if you t if you rocked up to a men's team still being physically female you'd have been kicked out there'd have been the stigma of the bullying comments and vice versa if a guy turned up to a women's team it wouldn't have been allowed it'd been a massive safeguarding issue mm. um, but now you're allowed to play in, in the birth in the team on gender that you were born in before, up until September, you was, had to apply for a letter um, to go through the medical board. You used to have to get your medical files looked into um, to see whether they would legally let you play male or female. Now they're going under the IOC where, um, depending on like your physicality, your ability, which gender you're wanting to go to, which gender you're born in, they're now changing that to try and accommodate where people want to play and then put a safety aspect around that for people. Okay. But for myself, I've always been quite big anyway. Um, but I've always shaved. But now that I'm not shaving and I've got a beard, that seems to be the biggest stigma for people. They see the beard and not the person behind that. So you had the issue in terms of having to shave anyway. Tell me why that, that was um, before you, you started. When I was a teenager, I had um, polycystic ovarian syndrome. So um, it's a hormone condition that affects your ovaries. Um, it can affect having children. You can gain weight, um, diabetes. Um, your body and your face changes, you hold your weight, you, you grow hair anyway naturally. So I always used to shave, I used to hate having it because of how people looked at me. Internally, I did like it myself because it felt normal, but outside I didn't like people seeing it because it would create the questions. So I just used to shave no matter what. And um, now I quite like having it, but nobody sees behind it. But I, it made me go through the menopause, I went through the menopause. At, 19, um, I had to have injections to mimic a hysterectomy that were very painful. Um, I had a hysterectomy at 22, which stopped me playing my premiership. I took quite a lot of time out, um, had a lot of problems and complications with that. So it's not been that straightforward. So I had quite a lot before. I then started taking hormones myself. How did that impact on your sort of rugby then? So uh, let's get the scale together. Um, for a few years, it was sort of on and off. I just played club rugby, took time off. Um, my scar used to split. I'd have problems. I couldn't. 
um, it never really knitted together. Um, so I just started carried on playing a little bit, and then as I got older, things started changed. Um, my body started changing because of the hormones, and I sort of got back into it quite a bit. I started playing. Um, I played league for Wakefield Trinity. Um, they were the first women's um, team to set up the Super League last year, and then I've been helping out with the team Dewsbury more. Um, so I've just been trying to get my last year in um, as much as possible, but I've had quite a lot of problems with being removed from the pitch for playing, uh, comments on Facebook, I've been outed, um, I've even been pulled off the pitch by safeguarding officers at different clubs. Um, it's, it's been pretty horrendous really over the last year. Up to, up to that point, sort of when you decided to sort of let the, the beard grow and you decided to own the decision, what were those moments before when you thought this is this is just too much? Just watching my friends getting changed, going out like with their mates, going out onto the onto the pitch and stuff, and it was just like everyone's so happy, and it's like I want to be like that, but I don't want to look like this anymore. I, I wanted to feel how I looked, and I used to look at the men's team and think, well, I'm never going to be able to do that. And then I used to sit and cry at home because I thought if I come out, then I'm going to lose everything that I knew, my family, my friends. When I say family, I mean my, my rugby club. Um, so I've, I've had numerous nights where I've just sat and cried and just thought, I can't do this no more. Um, and then when I made that decision, it was the biggest thing ever and everyone's just supported me from coming out since. It's other teams that I tend to have the problem with, not my teams that I play for. Did you know of any other sort of trans rugby player at the time? I'd never met any trans rugby players at all. Um, as I say, I was dating somebody, um, I tried to get them into playing as well, um, which sort of started a few heads to start noticing, and then I thought, well, I'm doing this for somebody else when it's really what I want to be doing. Mm -hmm. So I took the massive step and came out as trans to the rugby community, um, which caused a lot of stir, a lot of heads to roll. Um, and then from then, it's, it's been okay. I ha I've had to jump for a few hoops to get letters to be able to play from league and union because a lot of people were saying that I was a danger. I was a danger to women. I shouldn't be allowed to play. Um, it's not right. Um, so I've had to sort of like apply for letters to say, look, this is who I am. I want to play, but I really shouldn't have to apply and be put up against the medical panel to play a sport that I love that's for everybody and that everybody should have an opportunity to play. How long ago were we talking when you actually made made this decision. Who did you speak to as well about making this decision? Was it? it was actually, the first decision was, I actually rang my grandma up. I says, look, I says, what would you do if I um, wanted to change or if I didn't want my chest anymore? My grandma just turned around, she said, so do I call you Fred now then or what? <laughs> and that was it. That was the first comment and she just, it was just fine. And from that moment I knew that everything was going to be okay. And they've all just supported me and my friends and Panda and Kelly and everybody else have just been there no matter what and I've, my friend Jack and Cole and I've started getting to know more people that are transgender and trying to get them into the sport as well and more people are now approaching me asking how they go about it because now they're seeing it can be done they're wanting to have a chance to be able to play as well. So you mentioned Pounder there, Pounder is Joe um, <laughs> Hi. Who, who's, who's with us as well. Um, Joe from, from the outside you've um, known Verity for a you know, long time. Yeah. Um, wh what was it like watching it at close quarters, I suppose? Um, fab to see the change in him. Um, he's gone from being there's always happy, always always wanting to help, to now being confident in helping. Um, 
because he's been through so much, not only from being young, but all the way through even to now. I mean, we still have people who are a bit not happy, shall we say. What have you, what have you seen firsthand? <laughs> um, firsthand, I've seen people being just outright horrible. I mean, I'm quite an open person. I don't care what. If you want to be pink, green, yellow or blue, if you're happy, you're happy and it's got nothing to do with me. I'll never judge anyone because they want to be happy. That's all anyone wants. But I've seen people be outright rude, disgustingly rude, to be honest. I was going to say, I'm not sure rude does justice. No, it doesn't. Give, give, me, some, give me some examples of... Um, so, um, we, we, uh, we had a game up here and um, I had a lady from another team say that, that Vez couldn't play because of the hormones and testosterone that she'd apparently emailed the safeguarding at, um, at RFU, which, as it transpired, she hadn't. She just didn't want Vez to play or, or Jack or Cole to play, even though they came. They didn't tell me in the morning. They told me the morning, literally an hour before we was due to kick off. She had this in place, or she'd been trying to stop this from happening from the week that we played them at their home game. Um, they were fine, weren't they? Until they was fine, yeah. Until I tackled one of their players. Mm. Which was just a Vez tackle. Uh, I mean, between me and Vez, we're, we're both quite stocky. We'll <laughs> say, we'll say stocky. Um, and I've tackled people just as hard as what Vez has. And no one's ever had a had an issue with me because I don't have the, the fuzz on the face. and. That's all it is, and that's all it is. Um, there's been games where what, what happened after? What happened after that then? Because it's oh, we well, there was there was nothing that we could do at that point in time because they'd said uh, this this lady had said, well, I've emailed RFU and they've said that they can't play and this and that and other, and I couldn't turn around and say that's not the case. In hindsight, I wish I'd have gone. Well, show me the email, but in mm. hindsight. Because she wouldn't even accept the letter yeah. that I had with me. I had an official RFL rugby league letter with me mm. stating that I could play. She said that wasn't acceptable. Mm. Um, <clears throat> she told everybody on the sideline which gender clinic I was at and what I was having done and made the discussion. And then I was escorted off the pitch, made to stand on the sideline and watch my teammates play in full kit. Mm -hmm. How did that make you feel? It's degrading. It's just why shouldn't I be allowed to be on that pitch the same as anyone else if the girls all grew a beard and wanted to play then what's the difference but yeah it, it's been a hard year that's just only one situation yeah. um, I played a game for league um, against another team I was pinned down had blood spat in my mouth was heckled and shouted get the fat bastard man off the pitch what idiot lets a man play rugby with girls um, sorry blood spat in your mouth yeah they pinned me down in a tackle I'd handed her off and she kept hold of the ball and while I was on the ground she didn't I'd let go of my shirt and the ball and as I shouted to my captain to shout look she's not releasing and um, you hear her grab the when they make the noise to get spit in the mouth and as I turned back around still my mouth open because I've been talking she just leant forward and spat straight into my mouth Gosh. but the ref said he didn't see anything nothing had happened he had no issues in the game whatsoever but um, he took all the players off the pitch, left me stood there getting shouted at by all the spectators to go ask if I was a man or a woman. Didn't even ask me. But if there was no issue, then why did he need to go do Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. 
Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Were you having incidents off the pitch at the time, or was it just...? Off the pitch as well, um, we had someone that decided to take it upon themselves to message teams and tag people on Facebook to tell them they'd been playing transgender players um, and to let them know what had been happening. And it, it was a nightmare. I got back to work on the Monday and um, somebody had already seen it on the internet, so I had to fully come out at work as well. Okay. So it's affecting, it affects your home life as well as anything else, and it's like... What right does somebody else out? Yes, I might look this way, but somebody else might not necessarily think the transgender. But it's a, it's a danger aspect as well to out somebody without them knowing. Their family might not know. It might be a religious reason. There might be a lot of reasons behind it. Luckily for me, everybody everybody knew, but it's not that way for everybody. Because also one of the reasons they're objecting is because you're a physical player who's always been a physical player since yeah. the age of 11, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. So you've been smashing... Uh, everyone, you know, since Nothing, you began. Yeah. Nothing's ever changed. Nothing, has no, anything changed? I've, I've right. been tackled by Vez several times. Because <laughs> we've, we've played on separate teams before. We've been women's rugby, such a small community anyway. I've played against Vez and, and vice versa. We've both took each other out several times. <laughs> but we've always got always got back up again, shook each other's hands and said, oh, cracking tackle, <laughs> that, mate. Carry on. But... But the physicality of rugby is you don't play it unless you're prepared to be hit. And regardless whether you're on a international New Zealand, England, you'll always have one player who's high-end and another one who's quite skinny and scrawny. But you know the fact that you're playing rugby, you're going to get hit. And it's as simple as that. And the physicality, as I said, Jack is and Cole are both quite... They're not the biggest of boys. And... They've been, I mean, I've took both of them out as well. And it's not the fact that the men, it's the fact we're playing rugby and everyone's equal on rugby pitch. And just, just to clarify as well, because we mentioned a few other names there, Jack and Cole, so you've actually got three trans players in the same mm-hmm. side. Is that coincidence or is that...? Down to Bez. Yeah, um, I got approached by, we were friends anyway, and they, um, Cole's played university rugby. He didn't feel safe when he came back up this end and couldn't find a team that he wanted to play for. And I got a, an email from Trans Leeds um, by somebody that I know that works with the gay men's team, Leeds Hunters, that's an inclusive team, to see whether I could find a team that would be safe and suitable for them to go to. 
So I sort of approached um, Panda, Joe, and asked, look, you're already stuck with me. What's the <laughs> chances of uh, me bringing someone else up that can play in somewhere that's safe? Um, so I brought the two of them up here, and they're, they're loving it as well. Cole's not been back up since the incident with um, the team we mentioned, because he, he was there as well. He was also refused to play as his first game, so that sort of put him off a little bit. So we're just waiting for the season to start and get everybody back and uh, start the season running, really, for everybody. Yeah. I guess you're a little bit more used to rolling with the punches, it sounds like. I'll show a strong side, but I, we've had the tears and everything in the background, and mm -hmm. but I'm still here, and there's, it's not just me. We've got kids that are coming through now, and I'd like something, not a role model or anything, but I'd like something safe in place so that other kids can come and enjoy a sport that I've loved for so long. I'm not going to be doing it for much longer. So it's their generation and everybody's generation, whether you're straight, gay, by alien, animal, vegetable, mineral, why shouldn't you allow to be able to play it? Mm. Well, tell me what you've had to do on the technical, on the, the regulation side, I suppose, in order to be able to sort of play rugby, because you said you had a form from the RFL. What did you actually, what have you actually have to do? Because that was, that sounds like that would have been at the forefront of your mind when you made this decision to basically let your, your beard grow, essentially. Yeah, um, it was hard, like, I had to look into it. My club at the time um, was Halifax. Um, they emailed the RFU to sort of say, look, we've got these players. Um, you all know Verity anyway, because I've been playing for all these years. What what can we do to help them and provide places for them? So initially, I got the OK from like the regional officers to say that I could play. That wasn't a problem. Carried on playing. Did a couple of um, LGBT and taste the days for people to come and have a go, which worked really well. We've got a few players from that as well. And then, as I say, we started playing some other teams that started having an issue with me. So I had to then apply in writing. I had to put down all my medical details, my height, my weight, size, any medication that I'm taking, and put that up to go to a set of strangers that have never seen me, know nothing about me, to make a decision on my life. And there's nothing in place for you while that's happening. There's nobody rings you up, nobody talks to you, nobody discusses what's the next step, what's going to happen. You're just in limbo. So what? What we, we did you have to stop playing whilst you were? I did stop playing, yeah, um, because I didn't want to cause. I didn't have to, but I didn't want to cause any problems to the team yeah. and to the club. I didn't want to drag their name through just because I wanted to. Be, I thought it was selfish. So they kept, so that presumably something came back though. You'd sent all this information yeah. out, and then what happened? I had to keep chasing. It took quite a while, and everyone kept saying, "Well, we've not made a decision that it needs to be looked at. Um, we don't know whether it's going to be a yes or a no, but don't worry about it. We'll get to it." And they don't give you any timescales, what's going to happen or anything. And then I think it was about eight weeks, six, eight weeks. They sent me a letter back to say um, doesn't ha really have anything in it. It just says that we give permission for you to play on the evidence you've given and please let us know if any of your medical circumstances change or if you go any further through the gender clinic let us know and we'll re-review it. So I've got that now in both codes to take with me. Eventually I will go to a men's team or I'll stop playing. I mean I'm coming to retirement from injuries anyway but <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but at the moment it's like I'm not, someone's not daft, it's like the argument over the toilets, you're in the wrong toilets, you're not in the wrong toilets. What, you're old enough, you know who you are, you know where you should be. I'm not going to go play a women's sport that I've played all these years if I knew I was danger. Mm. Or if I was dangerous to other players, I would never put anybody in that situation. Yeah. And one day I will have to go to a men's team and I have trained in friendlies when we've had like mix up and match and um, days. 
And I, I've upset men, I've tackled men, and I've made a couple of men cry, and, and <laughs> vice versa. Um, it's the same, but you're not daft, you know where you can play, um, you know what you can do. Mm -hmm. Just don't ever put anybody in danger, just play the sport, just let live and let live. And one day I will, I've been offered a place on an inclusive gay men's team, and one day maybe I'll get to, to do that, but until then, I'll keep doing what I do. And, a lot of people say, look, isn't it what they use the word dysphoric because you're transitioning and it's still a ladies' team, but to me it's family. It's all I've ever known and it's all I've ever wanted to do. The sad day will be not excitement when I get to go to a men's team. Yeah, that'll be great. It'll be the sadness of not walking out on the pitch again. Everyone, everyone says, um, every rugby player often, often says rugby's everything, but for you, I it feels like it really has been everything with what's happened with your family and everything. Yeah, I mean, rugby's been my life. If you cut me open, you'll see Gilbert through the middle. Um, no brand endorsements, please. No. <laughs> <laughs> it is life. Rugby is life. It's, um, it's all I've ever wanted to do. It's all I've ever done. Tell me about the actual sort of process, you know, as well, because presumably they've given you a letter based on a certain period of time. So does that mean they, they're going to ask to review you? Tell me how what your, uh, the medication changes and also what you've got to do now in order to carry on playing rugby. I mean, I've got to let them know what testosterone I'm on when I take it. Um, I've also got to let them know if I've got any appointments coming up, um, any surgeries, because I am looking to have chest surgery within the next 18 months. But even after chest surgery, that's not a physical advantage. Um, before, they used to say once you'd had surgery, you, you couldn't play. Um, but now the, the letting people play because they're seeing it's not a physical difference. It's, it's the same as a lady having a double mastectomy due to a medical reason. Yeah. It's not enhancing you in any way. It's just a body modification to help someone feel in, better. In malls, there's, there's still grab onto your boobs in malls. There's still grab onto everything. <laughs> <laughs> so it is an advantage. Not in the way they that way, but yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, we've just got to. It's jumping through hoops, and, and it is scary because you think, well, are they going to stop us again? Are the, what's going to happen at this point? What's going to happen at this point? When is that day going to come that mm. I can't play anymore? And it's quite scary for a lot of people. I've got people that email me asking if I can ring up the RFU and help them with letters. What do the letters mean that they're getting back? It's not black and white. It's a very grey area, and it needs looking at more. And what if someone applies? What are they going to help them and talk them through that? What are they going to give them where they're sat at home? Because it's not just a game, and it's not just a life. There's all the mental aspects behind mm -hmm. it as well. Yeah. What? what you obviously had an impact just in the immediate area with two players joining as well. Has the spread, have you heard of more people getting attacked? What's happened beyond this club? Because of myself um, playing and being seen and coming out, a, a lot more people are like commenting on photos, on Facebook, Instagram. Um, I get messages on how they go about joining clubs, how they go about staying in clubs if they come out. Um, so it is getting wider. Um, I've put an inclusive rugby page on Facebook so people can message, they can put teams on there. If they are at a team that are willing to stand by them and be a safe environment to try and get a, a number of teams to, so that we can, if people do come to us, we can say, look, we can send you here, we can send you there. We, we, we think you'd be okay playing here, let us know what you think. And we can then put them in touch and make them first steps for them. Mm. It's also having the I mean, as I said, I'm quite open-minded. It's also having the open-mindedness of the clubs. I mean, Rotherham's great. Um, they don't, they've not stopped me with anything, and they know they know about Vez and and the other players. It's just having the openness 
and the acceptance as well. Cause you, you might have, I mean, you could have 12 fantastically trans players in one area, but that club won't let them play. So then they've got to then travel mm. an hour yeah. to, to go and play, which for me, I find really unfair. I think if you want to play rugby, you should just be able to play it in your team. But You shouldn't have to have inclusive teams. You shouldn't have yeah. to have gay teams. You should have a team that is everybody's allowed to play and at that point when yes it isn't safe to play in that sex or gender anymore then the transition happens but until that point there shouldn't have to be any anything different mm. like for myself I've got um, an inclusive union team that I can go to but in rugby league I'd have to go into uh, what the class is a straight men's team which would just cause no end of trouble because it's not it's not seen as the norm for them um, there's a lot of comments, it wouldn't be a safe environment for me to play. So when I fully transition, there's, I'm not going to carry on playing league. Okay. I'm just going to carry on playing union if I can after injuries. But okay. for, for league, there is nothing else left for me unless a team came and said, look, we would take it. I know, I know of one gay men's league team that's over, I think they're near Liverpool. And that's it. Because you've played both codes yeah. si uh, since you've been transitioning as well, haven't you? It, and has there is there a difference, or have you found you know between how they they've received you? Union, I think, as a sport in itself, is far more enhanced and far more forthcoming than league. League is still quite a way behind in the way that they have the transgender laws and the policies and how it is looked at. They're more um, brush it under the carpet. We don't want to deal with it as such. I mean, after the incident I had, they came and interviewed me. That was last November. It's now coming up. It's June. I've not heard anything else from them since. The girl's still allowed to play. They're still turning up at other clubs and showing my photograph on, on the phones laughing. Um, the girls were supposed to be going to court for what had happened. Um, the CPS have decided that they won't class it as a hate crime. Um, and that Because the ref said nothing happened, that's it. Mm -hmm. So nothing's going to go go forward with that. Was that that was in league? Yeah, that was a rugby league game. Okay. So I think it needs. We need the support. We need the support from the clubs. And I think for me, a massive thing is going into clubs and educating clubs. I think that would help a lot of people at a lot of different age age ranges. Not just for being trans, but safeguarding officers so kids can go talk to people so they're not keeping it in. Because a lot of people use sport. Kids spend most of the time at sport than they do at home with parents and sport in schools. Mm. So I think it's time that they started looking at that and not coaching just a sport, but coaching kids and people socially. You've also had people get in touch or you've heard of other people who are going sort of the other way as well in rugby, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, we've got other clubs as well that are messaging how can they help. We've had um, teams from East Coast to um, down south past London. Um, the first ever LGBT officer role has just been advertised in rugby to work alongside Stonewall and the RFU um, to look at an education programme that way. Um, hopefully it'll start moving up the country and getting a, a wider wider berth. You touched upon earlier on about the, the prospect of playing men's rugby. How do you uh, feel about that generally? Uh, still hit them as hard. If they want to run at me, I'll still hand them off, I'll still tackle them and um, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> and what, what, what next? Hopefully maybe look at inclusive rugby until it all gets put on the same level but maybe start looking at working with LGBT education programmes mm -hmm. look at maybe going into clubs talking with them and getting some sort of structure and working that way for people and then as I say be down here with, with Panda and 
look at the next development and the next generation that's going to be coming up and coming through because there's nothing more enjoyable than kids rugby and for myself whether it's boys or girls you learn so much from them because they are so funny they're so mm. clever the kids inquisitive come, they're very inquisitive i mean it's never a dull moment when you work with kids and if you can encourage that and let that grow then who knows what they can achieve that was verity smith and joe clark of rotherham phoenix and this has been rugby stories brought to you by rugby journal to read more about verity and other rugby stories visit the rugbyjournal.com mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.